On today's episode of After the Whistle, we will recap the weekend of football, talk the Stanley Cup Finals, give an NBA Finals preview, and fill out our MLB bracket. Welcome back, everybody. Let's jump right into it with some college football action. There were some hectic games this weekend, one of which Oklahoma going down to Kansas State and losing at home 38-35. to What a wild game that was. Spencer Rattler looked very shaky, as everybody has high expectations for him this season. But Oklahoma is on, in the spotlight now after that loss, and they're going to need to change the tide. And that defense is going to need to start to pick something up because – the Big 12 and Oklahoma, if they're not good, the Big 12 is nothing. And I feel that Oklahoma's loss to Kansas State was a big loss for the Big 12 this season. Any hectic game you liked? Well, stay with Oklahoma. What's new, right? I mean, they lost to Kansas State back-to-back years now. And it's like you said, it's all the defense. And I know the Big 12 doesn't – like historically isn't a great defensive conference. But if you're Oklahoma and, you know, you're ranked number three and you want to be in the playoff consistently – you gotta you gotta start recruiting some defense. The thing I want to ask you, Pat. So, at what point do does Oklahoma get the treatment where you know they're they're a great team and they're one loss, but you know they're not going to win big games, so you don't put them in the playoff. Like Notre Dame, I think has a lot to prove before they get put in the playoff. Since the two times in the playoff, they've been blown out. So, at what point do you think do you think that like at at any point? the committee could just say Oklahoma and anyone in the big 12, unless you go undefeated, you're not getting in. Yeah. I mean, it's a serious question. I mean, I feel like the big 12 doesn't even recruit for defense. That's something that you just don't do. And yeah, you look at the past. I mean, Oklahoma has been in shootouts in every playoff game that they played. Is the committee going to look at them and just be like, yeah, you may be a top four team with a resume, but we know you're going to play a an Alabama, a Clemson, a Georgia, a Florida, a team like that, and you know you're going to get your ass kicked. I just yeah, – that's a good question to ask because, it, it, honestly, it is – they should think about it. And another question I have for you, Pat, Lincoln Riley. He said Spencer Rattler is a top recruit. Kyler Murray, number one overall pick. Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick. Yes, you could say he breeded these quarterbacks into, you know, top talents, but he hasn't really won much with them in terms of the playoff standpoint and – he loses games each year that he should not be losing. Do you think that it's, it's all the quarterbacks that are winning these games and Lincoln Riley's just a poor head coach and that he, he's actually the problem? Yeah, I do. I, I honestly think Lincoln Riley is an overrated coach. And, you know, the reason for it is because everybody talks about their offense, their offense this, their offense that. Well, they're not going to win any games until their defense starts to do something. So Lincoln Riley needs to, you know, get, get a new defensive coordinator if that's what it is. I, I, it's not that. I, it's probably not that. But he needs to figure something out because, yes, he's going to have 10 to 12 wins every year with one loss probably and end up probably making the playoffs with a great quarterback because he's going to get a five-star every year. But he's overrated in my opinion. I, I don't know. What's your take on him? Yeah, I agree. I think he's overrated. And I think this year – I think if they lose one more game – you got to seriously look. I, I, I mean, you can't fire him, obviously, but he's had Cowboys Sox four, and now the Cowboys have Mike McCarthy. I mean, what does he really do? If he doesn't have, you know, a top recruit, a quarterback, is he really that good of a coach? I mean, obviously, you know, his offense puts up electric numbers, but who doesn't in the Big 12? Yeah, it's a serious question. And let's talk, let's talk about another coach that went from Washington State to Mississippi State, air raid offense, offensive mind, and that's Mike Leach. Opinion on that. Yeah, KJ Costello had what almost uh, he had 600 yards, right? 620 yards. Yep. And yeah, they they looked awesome. They were really fun to watch. And on the other hand, LSU, they they I think they lost 19 starters or either to the draft or opting out like Jamar Chase. They don't look good. I'm not impressed with Miles Brennan one bit. I don't think he's a good quarterback at all. And so yeah, that's the second top six team to go down. And the first week of, like, real college football, you know, most conferences are back besides the Big Ten and the Pac-12. But when the SEC is back, you know, college football's on. And I, I don't think LSU is going to have a good year. What about you, Pat? Yeah, no, I definitely don't either. And, I, you know, I, I kind of feel bad. Oh, I, I don't feel bad because they won a national championship last year. But, you know, 
you lose 19 star, 19 players. I mean, how do you expect to be anything, you know, great? Because it's just, you're not going to have the talent on both sides of the ball. And yeah, Miles Brennan looked very shaky and he's, he's going to have a lot of work to do. And with this short, I guess they have a short and little shortened schedule. They're going to, they're going to have a tough time. I mean, honestly, do you think they have over uh, 10 wins? I don't. I, I honestly think they may have eight wins, go eight and five, yeah. something like that. And, you know, losing a game in, in a shortened season when you're going to have less games, your resume is not going to look as good and you're not going to get as many looks for the committee. You have to – like, usually in, in years past, you're going to have to go undefeated or lose just one game. Now I think you're going to have to go undefeated to make the playoff. I think there will be four undefeated teams. I don't see how there's not in a shortened – in less games. So – I think they're in trouble. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, Pat, the Florida Gators, that offense is very scary. Kyle Trask had 415 yards and six touchdowns, no picks. And I, I don't know. I just feel that Florida is actually a scary team to watch in the SEC. I actually would say behind Alabama, they're the second best team. I wasn't really impressed with Georgia this week. What do you think about the Gators? Yeah, I like. I agree with you 100%. Gators are, I believe, the number two team in the SEC. They have the quarterback in Kyle Trask. And that tight end, Kyle Pitts, they were talking about him on the broadcast on Saturday. Uh, I think it was Greg McElroy said that Kyle Pitts is kind of like Evan Ingram. And, the, and when I heard that, I'm like, yeah, that's uh, – don't compare him to Evan Ingram, please. Maybe in college, but Evan Ingram is not what he's supposed to be in the NFL anymore. But to get back to the point, you know – Florida's offense is very good. Their defense is top 10, probably top 10 defense in the country. And there's no reason why they can't compete for a playoff spot. So yeah, that's, that's a good pick for the number two spot in the SEC. I just, I previously mentioned the Georgia Bulldogs did not look great this week. They started uh, Dwan Mathis and he was terrible. He had an awful start to the game. So they brought in Stetson Bennett who actually played somewhat well. Um, I believe JT Daniels will be back next week. They play Auburn, so that's going to be a very – that's going to be a heavyweight matchup. Auburn beat Kentucky, who I'm very high on this year, uh, which was a great game. Another game I wanted to mention, who I, another team that I think is for real, and I think is actually a challenge. I don't think they can beat them, but I think they are somewhat of a challenge and a threat to Clemson. The Miami fo- football team, the Miami Hurricanes, they look very hard to stop. Derek King is electric. Yeah, it, it, it kills me to hear you say Miami is going to be at the top of the ACC with Notre Dame now in the ACC yeah. for this season. But, you know, honestly, you're probably right. I mean, Derek King, they finally have their quarterback. I mean, Malik Rozier, two years ago, you know, he was he was okay. He was an average. But Derek King is the real deal. That Miami defense and that turn, turnover chain was out in full force on Saturday night. And Florida State, they when are they going to get right? Are they ever going to get right? They're a dumpster fire of a program. They've been downhill ever since – I think since Francois got hurt, since that moment, they really haven't done anything. Obviously, you know, before that you had Jameis, and they were unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, Florida State's a dumpster fire. I don't like any – like, Blackman's not great. I just – but not, not to take any credit away from Miami. Miami was unbelievable. 52 points. They almost covered the over by themselves. Um, they just – every time they, get, they got the ball, I thought they were going to score. Derek King, I really like him. From Houston last year, puts up a lot of points. And I think they're a dangerous team. Another game I wanted to talk about, Pat, what the hell happened to Texas Tech? Yeah, they, they blew up. I, 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 didn't, I didn't catch the end of that game, but I know that it, they did blow up. What, they were up 16, right? They were up 16 points with three minutes left in the fourth quarter, I believe. And um, Dave Portnoy from Barstool said it best. He blinked, and the game was tied. Sam Ellinger marches right down the field, Heisman candidate, scores, gets a two-point. Onside kick, two point, and just like that, they're in overtime. Score right away. Fourth and twenty for Texas Tech. Game over. I had Texas Tech plus seventeen and a half, so great cover. But I mean, that over under was set at seventy, which is ridiculous, and it literally was blown out of the water. Which is Texas awesome. almost got it by himself. Yeah, I love it. I love that type of football. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was wild. I cannot believe they choked that game, but. Texas, Texas, do you think Texas for real? Think they're, think they're finally back, as they, they like to say every single year? Yeah, I remember Sam Ellinger the night they won the Sugar Bowl. Tech, we're back. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to take this game, honestly, because I feel like you could take this one both ways. Like you could say, all right, you know, you, we beat Texas Tech by seven. They're not a good team. 
Or you could look at it, we came back from 16 down after not playing well. Maybe this like resurrects their season a little bit. Now, obviously, it's two games in, but I don't know. Uh, maybe Texas is for real. I mean, they caught a break with obviously Oklahoma losing. Yeah, and just the 17 and a half point spread, the reason why I went with Texas Tech, because you're at Texas Tech, that's a rivalry game. I never thought that would be a blowout. I mean, I know Miami blew up Florida State, but I think Florida State's terrible, much worse than Texas Tech. Uh, there's just no way that was going to be a blowout. You fought, you went to, to your rival, and you won, which is very tough to do. Texas Tech quarterback, I believe his name is Alan Bowman. They, every time Texas Tech had a chance to put this game to bed, he would make the dumbest interception ever or just the worst play of all time. He had five touchdowns, three interceptions. Three were so boneheaded, and I literally thought he was playing for the wrong team. It was so bad. Um, one, th- one last thing I want to ask, Pat. If you had to pick your playoff right now, excluding the Big Ten, I guess, who would it be? Playoff right now would be Clemson, Alabama, uh, Florida, and uh, I'm honestly, I hate to say Miami. I 100% agree with that entire four. That's the exact four I was going to say. Texas could get a look. Obviously, Georgia, I know they, I said they didn't look great, but they did win by 27. You get your starting quarterback back this week. And then once the Big Ten gets back, obviously everything gets shaken up. But I, I, do you think – who? if you had to give me now three pretenders for this year, teams that are ranked high that you don't really think can do anything? Um. Uh, well, Oklahoma, I don't, are we, they're done. We're taking them out. No, that can be one. You could take that. All right, Oklahoma, definitely. I, I feel they're – and, you know, because maybe they come back in the next three weeks and just blow every team out, which obviously could easily happen. But I just um, don't feel they're there. Um, who's another one would be – LSU. LSU, yeah. And then, uh, what, what, who do you like? My, so I, I agree. I would take those two. And then my last one would be Texas A&M. They win 17-12 to 12 against probably the worst team in the SEC in Vanderbilt consistently. And they just didn't look sharp. I mean, they, they had a safety against them. They really didn't do anything. They had seven. They were down. They're up 7-5 to five after the first half. It was just a, a lackluster game, lackluster showing from them. Their quarterback, Kellen Mond, only threw 180 yards in the touchdown. It was just not a great game, not a good look for A&M. But um, let's get into some pro football, Pat. Um, wild week three in the NFL, like always. It's been a great year. Not for our Giants, though. What the no. hell was that? That was just awful on all levels. Every part of that team just looked awful. And I heard somebody put it in perspective who the Giants played on Sunday, a JV football team in the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Their lineup, I mean, I couldn't believe who they were throwing out there on offense. That rookie at uh, Ayuk looked looked like Jerry Rice out there on our defense. I, I mean, I, I don't know what to expect anymore with the Giants. I mean, there's a realistic shot, and you said it last week that they go zero and sixteen. I I wish I could disagree with that. I mean, at what point are we the Jets? At what point are we the Jets? Because you know, they're both zero and three. But I feel like the Giants have somewhat respect from, you know, around the league. The Jets are – they have no respect. Everyone knows. Everyone's, they're the laughing sock. They're the Knicks of the NFL. At what point do we become the Jets, Pat? I hope we don't become them because I guess we have Joe Judge, first-year head coach, going for us. Um, obviously, he's 0-3. He doesn't have a win yet, so that's not really saying much. But Adam Gase is in his third year. Sam Darnold is in his third year. I, watching that Jet game and just seeing Donald throw pick sixes, like I, I feel for the guy, but when you do that, it's just like, you know, you can't back him. I mean, you know, throwing an interception, maybe because, you know, you, you get blitzed and you have to rush it and you throw it. Okay. But the way he threw those two pick sixes was just like, what are you doing? I asked you this question last week. Another game, two turnovers, no touchdowns, 170 yards passing. If this continues – do you take Trevor Lawrence, Pat? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of official now. And and I think it all goes down to – because if the Giants end up, you know, losing the rest of the season and going, what, let's say 2-14, and 3-13, and 13, Dave Gettleman's gone. 
Yep, I wholeheartedly agree. There was a petition started for him being fired, and it was the signings were complete in minutes. Yeah, Dave Gettleman's gone, so that's a new GM. So that he he might want a clean slate, but probably he's going to be affiliated with Joe Judge, so he's going to know you know the ins and outs of the team. But if they get a new GM, I definitely think it's Trevor Lawrence. But how do you pass up on him? Evaluators have said he's the next thing. Like, I mean, you trade yeah. you trade the pick. Okay, you you better get. A insane return. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you have to go Lawrence. I, I, and I feel for Daniel Jones. He's not in a favorable situation at all. You just lost your best weapon in Saquon. You know, first-year head coach, you're trying to figure everything out. The offensive line, they just have no chemistry. And Andrew Thomas, I actually don't think he's looked that bad. I think he's been the best part of the O-line. But, I mean, he gets sacked over and over again, and it's just – it's just, they're just frustrating to watch. I mean, Jarek McKinnon tore us up. Ayuk, like you said, looked like Jerry Rice. It's just it, – it's not a fun team to watch. And I just – I don't know who's worse, Pat, right now. I don't know who I'd rather be, a Giants fan or a Falcons fan. Because oh. they cannot hold a lead for anything. Over under, Dan Quinn gets fired by week eight. He's gone in the next two weeks. They play the Packers next week. Oh, that's, that's right, Monday loss. night. Oh, God. That's another loss. Dan Quinn will be fired before the end of the, before, uh, the second half of the season, and I think you would agree with me. Yeah, I, I would. And let, let me ask you this. Gase or Quinn to get fired first? Ah, that's a really tough question. I mean, the Jets, I think, are going to win this week. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was going to say. If the Jets let's, – okay, let's say the Jets lose to Denver. Is Gase gone Friday morning? Yes, hundred percent. And I think Dan Quinn is gone Tuesday morning, next week, which is wild. I think they'll be the first two. So any if anyone had futures on those, you're, you know, you're biting your nails right now. It's definitely some nail biters. But um, another question I want to ask you, Pat. So in that Falcons game, Mitch obviously struggled. Do you think it's the end of Mitch? In- yes. Yeah, I do. I. You know, the 3-0, and, you know, last week I totally forgot about them in the NFC North just because I, I just don't believe in them. But, you know, maybe I start to believe a little bit in them with Nick Foles, a quarterback. And looking at Nick Foles' career besides that one season in Philly, uh, I think it was in 2014, and then obviously the Super Bowl run, he, he hasn't been anything for his career. But he's known for that Super Bowl run, and, you know, I give it to him. And, you know, maybe he's a little bit better than Mitch, but uh, – uh, Mitch is done, and I, I feel bad for Mitch, but hit the talent. He just doesn't have it. Yeah, it's just uh, – you and I are big Mitch guys. We loved him in North Carolina. But, like, if you really think about it, he had one good year in North Carolina and then was drafted second overall. I think they bit the bullet, and I feel bad for him because he is talented. He's got a great arm. He just he just makes stupid decisions. And to segue into another game, Pat, obviously you mentioned Nick Foles' Super Bowl run. I think – the Eagles front office looks very bad right now with that Nick Foles comeback and Carson Wentz being 0-3. So before we get into that Eagles game, do you think they should have kept Foles over Wentz? No. And I get the people that think they should. I 100% get it. But that season that Nick Foles uh, – that sorry, Carson Wentz had before he tore his ACL was – he was going to be the MVP and he was just looking good. And I just feel Carson Wentz is a – above average quarterback in the NFL. I just think he doesn't have it this year. I, I just don't know if it's there. I don't know if he has the, the weapons. I mean, maybe he doesn't have the weapons, but Nick Foles, I, I don't think he's that good. And he was kind of like a one hit wonder, but you know, I could be wrong. I, so maybe at that time you think it should have been Wentz, but if you were to take what you know now, would you have Foles now? Maybe. Yeah. I, I, it's tough. Uh, it's tough. Wentz is obviously much younger, a lot more upside. Foles is probably the best backup quarterback ever. I mean, he, he had that Super Bowl run, and then the next year, Alshon Jeffrey catches that ball. Maybe they go into score and they beat the Saints, and they're on their way to another Super Bowl. That's a good so, point. I, I mean, he does win in the playoffs. He gets it done, and so now we can get into that Eagles game. eagles Bengals tie at 23. Such a stupid game, and I we'll, we'll get into overtime in a second, but Carson Wentz, he's just – I don't know what's up with him this year. Yeah, he was missing throws and just 
all over the place. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you look at like the way Doug Peterson runs that offense and you feel like it just benefits Carson Wentz. I mean, 29 for 47 with 225 passing yards, that's just not great. And, you know, he, he had a clean pocket. He only got sacked, what, three times? QBR 49. Yeah, that's not a good look. And the fact that they even tied, honestly, is – I mean, yeah. they, they, I mean, they could have won. We said we were going to talk about overtime. We will. But they could have easily lost, too. Yeah, so they, they deserve to lose, honestly. Yeah. The Bengals' defense fell apart in their last possession and regulation. And then in overtime, I have a question for you, Pat. So I, I really question Doug Peterson at the way he handled overtime. You're 0-2. You have a 57-yard field goal, or 59, I, I think, with – 10 seconds left in the game. You get called for a false start, push back. It's now a 64-yard field goal. I think you still kick it. When you're 0-2, you have to play to win the game. A tie is not going to do you much. And we know all too well as Giants fans, Jake Elliott hit a fucking 60-yarder at the buzzer, and it's not fun. But I think it was an all-time pussy move from Doug Peterson. What about you? Yeah, I 100% do. And he came out today and said it was their fault. They should have kicked the field goal. I, you know, I just don't get it. Well, like, what's, what's your thinking of punting? And, and also, I mean, it's, it's another thing. You got to get your guys in check. How are you going to get it? Like, you can't get called for a false start in that situation. No. The, the Eagles and the entire NFC East, quite frankly, it's by far the worst division in the NFL. I mean, we're 0-3, 0-2-1, 0-3, or 1-2. Sorry, the, the football team beat the Eagles. And then the Cowboys are leading the division at one and two. So, I mean, we can, we can talk about the Cowboys now. I actually think they looked pretty sharp against Seattle. Russell Wilson is definitely – I wouldn't say definitely, but probably the, the top candidate for MVP this year. He has 14 touchdowns through three games, which is unbelievable. And I, I just don't see how it's – I think it's his MVP to lose right now. But I think the Cowboys – Dak Prescott threw 500 yards. And – I just think if they, he can get rid of the turnovers, he can put, take himself to that next level and that Cowboys team. Yeah, definitely. Um, Seattle's a very good team. Probably, one, probably a top two team in the NFC right now. Uh, and Dallas goes in there and gives them a fight. Dak looked pretty good. They have so many weapons. I mean, they have to, you know, they have to put up at least 30 points a game with the weapons that they have. But do you think if, da- if Dallas did win, let's say they beat Seattle, do you think they run away with the division? Locked up. We, yeah. we, we talked earlier, and you said, I don't see anyone else in the division beating Seattle. I don't see anyone else in the division beating anybody in that NFC West. That's I don't point. think they get a single win. So, I mean, two losses already to the Rams. you got one coming up next week with the Giants. They're going to lose by 30. And, yeah, I think it would have been the Cowboys division already, which is crazy. A two and one to just knock the division down. You, you mentioned they have a lot of weapons, Pat. Michael Gallup, six catches, 140 yards, touchdown. Cedric Wilson, five catches, 110 yards, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper, nine for 86. CeeDee Lamb, five for 65. Dalton Schultz, four for 48. I mean, they have so many weapons. I mean, if you think they don't lose Blake Jarwin, that's another weapon. Zeke's not bad out of the backfield. And then, I mean, he only ran for 30 yards, which is kind of concerning. But, I mean, this Cowboys team on paper, we've talked about this before. They have one of the better rosters in the NFL, and there's no reason why they shouldn't contend for a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, you know, everybody likes to give, like, especially a new head coach, like the first four weeks to develop. So maybe that's what it is. And, they, you know, they, had, they, have, they got off to a tough start. They played the Rams in L.A., and as we talked about in the NFC West, they're, every division, excuse me, every team in that division is great. And, you know, Dallas, one and two now, their win was against Atlanta, which obviously is very – I guess in a way cheap kind of win, but yeah, they have the weapons to do it. And I believe they play the Browns this week. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, the Browns at home. yeah. And I, I feel like they should kick, kick up on the Browns, but we'll talk about that on Thursday. Uh, no, but Dallas, I hate to say it. They, there is no reason why they shouldn't run away with this division. Yeah. And um, we just mentioned Russell Wilson. Uh, I think he's the favorite for the MVP right now. I think second favorite is going to be Josh Allen from Buffalo, obviously. They had almost a Atlanta-like colossal choke job, but they did get a touchdown, 15 seconds left, I believe, to Tyler Croft. Um, do you think Josh Allen's right behind Russell Wilson right now, number two in the MVP race? 
Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he, he's thrown for over 300 yards in all three starts, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so I definitely think that I'll put you up there. Um, 3-0 and on the season to start. He's Buffalo looks like a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. And obviously, I guess you have Chiefs, Ravens, Bills. Yeah, and, and another team uh, – I actually think the Rams are for real. I actually think they had the Super Bowl hangover last year, and I think they're actually back. Aaron Donald is unbelievable. He, he gets whatever he wants. Yep. It's, it's insane. Um, I think the next team in the AFC, Pat, after those three you just named, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. That defense is incredible. And they beat the Texans 28-21 on Sunday. Big Ben, you know, he played – he was serviceable. And that's all you need with that that's defense. That's all he needs, yep. That's all you need from Ben. James Conner had a great game. I think he had like 25 fantasy points. Um, Ebron finally had a good game for them. Finally got the, the touches and the targets that he wanted. And Juju has a touchdown in every game. He's he starting to look like a number one again. And I think the Steelers team, Pat, I think this is dangerous. And I would say now – after Monday night, which we will get to later, they are better than the Ravens. Yeah, the Ravens got ex- uh, the Ravens got exposed, and the Steelers' defense. If there's one defense that could stop Lamar, it might be them. I mean, they have a top three defense, maybe the best in football. And it, as you said, Ben just has to be serviceable, which he's doing. Uh, the running back, they have like a three-headed, mo- not a three-headed monster, but three guys that are serviceable. With James Conner leading the way. Uh, the receivers, Juju, I, I started to f- fade on him last season after what he went through, but now I know what he went through, and now I see what's going on. So Steelers are starting to, you know, get together, and they could honestly win the AFC North. If they just if they take one from the Ravens and just have a great season, they're, they're, they're going to win the AFC North. Yeah, so before we get into that Monday night primetime game, we'll start with Sunday night. The Packers beat the Saints 37-30. to I will put my hand up right now dead wrong on the Packers. I had them missing the playoffs. This team's legit. This is the Aaron Rodgers fuck you tour. And this Jordan Love pick looks good and bad because it looks terrible because Aaron Rodgers clearly still has it. But you pissed off Rodgers and it's clearly showing on the field. He he looks unbelievable. Aaron Jones looks unbelievable. He had 69 rushing yards. Nice. Without Devontae Adams, he still lit them up. Allen's are at 150 yards receiving. And sadly, Pat, I have a question. Is Drew Brees done? Yeah, he can't throw the deep ball anymore. He just can't do it. And that's going to kill the Saints. And granted, they don't have Michael Thomas, who, you know, runs those, like, medium routes. And then he hits the deep ball to um, Traquan Smith. But he couldn't do it the other night. And Rodgers, just the way he handled the line of scrimmage with that uh, – that, um, wide receiving group and just, you know, the routes that Alan Lazard ran. I, I mean, I couldn't believe that ball that I think it was the second, I think it was the second deep ball that Lazard caught on the left sideline was just incredible. I mean, we talked about this one play earlier. It was, I think it was the fourth quarter, maybe late third. He was giving the Saints one of the most ridiculous hard counts ever. And I think the entire D-line jumped off sides. He's so good at that. He's so good at managing the line of scrimmage. And then he threw that deep ball to Lazard where Janoris Jenkins, like, was literally mugging him. But, I mean, let's go back to Breeze. He did go 29 of 36 for 300 yards, three touchdowns. Like, that is a good game. But you're right. His the, – the flair for him is the deep ball, and it's just not there anymore. Um, Alvin Kamara, though, 13 catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns. See the best running back in the NFL? Yeah, he is. And – He's running away with that right now. I mean, with especially with McCaffrey out, Barkley done. Honestly, the two best running backs in the NFL, I think, played in that game right now. Yeah, maybe. That's a good point. Aaron Jones, he looked great. But Alvin Kamara, that, that uh, screen that he had, oh. Literally, it was one of the weirder plays. So he caught it. It was kind of like a bubble screen. And he broke the first tackle. And then he's just jogging for 20 yards. And like, oh, my God, is no one even there? And then he hurdles a guy, gets hit in the air, maintains his balance, runs around, and then just, like, walks into the end zone like it was nothing. That was unbelievable. I love Kamara. I've always been big on Kamara. I think, I think the Packers are definitely legit, as we can see. Do you think – where would you rank them? Do you, would you take the Packers or the Seahawks right now? Honestly, I'd probably take the Packers right now. And 
I'm going to say it, but, and, you know, I don't mean it against Russell Wilson at all. I, I don't know. I'm a homer for Aaron Rodgers. I just, I, I like him too much not to go against him. I, and you said it, the fuck you tour. He is just, what he's doing is just, I, I mean, I can't believe it. He's just out there throwing the ball all over the place. And, you know, the Packers talent wise don't really have that good of a team, to be honest. They really don't talent wise, but Hey, I, it's a toss-up between Seattle and Green Bay. I definitely think it. And anybody could pick Seattle, and I'd be perfectly fine with it. Yeah, so we'll move into the Monday night game. Chiefs-Ravens. Chiefs won 34-20. I did say last week, to my own heart again, Chiefs will win this game handily. Not big, but handily. And they did. And I, I discussed this on a different podcast about Lamar Jackson and if he was truly elite. And I think he is. But you threw for 97 yards against the Chiefs defense that, you know, it, it's not – they don't get enough credit, but they're nothing special. And their secondary is especially nothing to write home about. What the hell? What is going on with Lamar Jackson? 97 passing yards, Pat. 97. Yeah, the, the question, honestly, should start to be brought up is, is he a good big game quarterback? I mean, does he show up in the big game? And obviously, you know, regular season game, but against your competition in the AFC, like – this game separated who was the leader in the AFC. And this year, this year especially, this was a huge game because only one team gets that by, and that's a big that's a big win for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. 385 yards, four passing touchdowns, one on the ground. He he showed today. He's by far the best quarterback in the NFL. Oh yeah, no doubt. I again a throw to Tyree Kill on the right side, right in the bread basket. You can't defend it. You just can't defend it. He also had one where he's just dropping back and he looks like he's going to get sacked or even throw it away. Just literally flicks his wrist 50 yards down the field to McCall Hardman. It's unbelievable what he does. I don't get it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a great running back as a rookie. He looks very scary. I, I watched the game, Pat. He doesn't get tackled. They just hold him until the ref blows the whistle. And he's like 5'6". It's unbelievable. This team, this, I mean, I, I'd be, I think you'd be dumb to bet against anybody else right now. I, they – I know they, they look shaky against the Chargers, but they always do that like once a year. And the Chargers and, play them tough. Yeah. So, and you, you mentioned, I think, earlier in a different podcast a couple weeks ago that the Chiefs returned a bunch of starters. And in this type of year, that's kind of what you want is consistency. And I think the Chiefs are – I think they should be the favorites to win the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And the Ravens are going to have to get back to the drawing board because they're going to, they're probably going to have to face the chiefs in the playoffs again, if I had a feeling and they just, you know, I think it 34, 20, obviously that's not very close, but you know, it's pretty close. I I feel like it it, it seems way worse, right? Yeah. I mean, the Ravens had a kick return touchdown from Devin Duvernay from Texas. The rookie looked fast, but I mean, he, you draft him as a receiver and he does nothing. I mean, they don't have that many weapons. And I, he had the one touchdown to Nick Boyle that he threw, Lamar. But he just didn't look sharp tonight. He looked elusive. But I, I'm just – I was not impressed with Lamar Jackson at all tonight. And it was kind of a big turnoff game for me. Um, so, yeah, I, if you had a power rank, your top five teams right now, Pat, what, how would it go? Uh, Chiefs won. And I, I don't see them moving right now. Uh, I guess I'll go Seahawks two. Um Who would I go three? You got the Steelers. You got the Packers. Steelers. Yeah, I like – you know, I'll go Steelers. Pa- Packers four. Steelers are going to go Steelers over Packers because of defense. Um, and, you know, you might flip out on me about this one, but honestly, the Titans. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I just – they're 3-0, and they just go about their business. They, they pretty much have the same game plan every week. Give it to Henry until it's third and long. And if it's third and long, we'll do a play action – Hit Corey Davis or somebody, Janu Smith. Their defense is very good, but they've had an easy schedule. So maybe I should relax on them a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I agree with four out of your five. I would take out the Titans. I'd put in Buffalo. I think Buffalo definitely should crack the top five. And I think in that order, I would, yeah, I would say Chiefs, Seattle. Um, I think I would go Buffalo three, actually. I like, I really like the way Buffalo's playing. I would go the Packers four, Steelers five. Yeah, I like that. I right. Bills, Bills deserve it. They have who they beat the Jets week one and then week two. Week two they played. 
who did they play? Why am I drawing a blank? They played the Dolphins. So, I mean, not great, but – Titans is the same way with their schedule. And then the Rams is a very good win. So, you can only beat who you play. They have the Raiders next week. They do have the Titans week five, so that would be a good game. But let's yep. not get too far in the future. What is pretty close in the future, Pat, Wednesday night, NBA Finals tip-off. So, the Heat obviously won game six against the Celtics on Sunday, 125-113, in an absolute dominant fourth quarter. It's one of the most poorly coached fourth quarters I've ever seen by Brad Stevens. They were down 10 with three minutes left, and they were shooting threes like they were down 40. They would literally walk up the court and just jack up a three. I didn't get that at all. I just thought it was really poorly coached, and I think the Heat – If I'll ask you, if you're LeBron, who would you rather see, the Celtics or the Heat? Talent-wise, the Heat. But team-wise, I definitely think the, Celt- uh, the Celtics. I mean, I, I just can't believe that the Celtics lose that game the way they did in the final minutes, just bl- absolutely blowing up. Uh, I mean, the Celtics t- – excuse me, the Celtics talent-wise are – better than the heat but the heat team wise is just a team building they're they're unbelievable and they're they're together and they're they're in this to win it especially eric spolster wants lebron i know he does yeah i saw after the game there's a like the press conference when they were getting the east conference trophy um i forget who was announcing but they mentioned lebron and spolster just looked pissed off he's he why are you mentioning lebron it's not about lebron it's not about lebron's history with the heat this is about my Miami Heat right now, my very, very scary Miami Heat. And Bam Adebayo, Pat, your boy, Bam the Slam, 32-14-5, dominant fourth quarter, made Daniel Tice look like a fucking idiot. And I, I don't – I love Bam. I'm starting to get on your train. I really love Bam Adebayo. And I, if you had to give me a prediction right now, Pat, how many games do you think the Heat can get on the Lakers, or do you think they can actually win the series? Yeah, I, I definitely think they can win the series. I'm not going to pick them to win it because I just think it's LeBron's, LeBron's year, and I, I feel like most of us have been saying this because just everything that's the way it just seems to be unfolding. Yeah. But, you know, I think they could get six six or seven. I, I mean, I, I don't see why they can't. I mean, if we were to go through the starting lineups of both teams – Oh, matchup wise, who, who how does it favor? How how do you think that goes? Like I think, what's I think the Heat after LeBron and AD have the advantage because the Heat I think they're a more complete team and I do think that Andre Iguodala is going to get increased minutes in this final series. You remember that Warrior series uh, the first time, first time they played Iguodala. Yep, Iguodala Finals MVP. I wouldn't say shut down LeBron. Obviously, that's not possible. You can only hope to contain him. That's a famous Kevin Harlan quote. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And that's what Iguodala does. And he did that to Tatum for a little bit. He did that to Jalen Brown for a little bit. You have Jay Crowder, another one that can defend. Jimmy Butler, obviously, another great defender, great two-way player. I, I, I don't think – you can't look past this Heat team ever. They're a bunch of underdogs, and I, I, I don't want to pick the Heat. But I want to. I want to have a bold take on this podcast, Pat. I got the Heat in six. Oh wow, that's that's ballsy. But I 100% get it, and I wish I could say it, but I just don't see it happening. And you know, the, one of the players I love, Bam. Another one, Tyler Hero. This kid just shows up to the court and plays. I mean, I hate when the announcer says a 20 year old rookie with that confidence, but they're right. They they just love to draw that in, but they're right. He does not look like he's 20 years old out there. He looks like he's been in the NBA for 10 years, and he's not afraid to take any shot in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, he just oozes confidence around the court. I think Goran Dradic's been unbelievable. Duncan Robinson's one of the – probably besides Clay Thompson, I think he's the best catch-and-shoot guy in the NBA. And, yeah, I I like this Heat team just because of pure depth. Kendrick Nunn, who was the top three in rookie of the year, first team all rookie, doesn't even get minutes anymore. That's how deep this team is. And I just feel that they have the blueprint to beat a LeBron team, especially this Lakers team who's not deep at all. I mean, after LeBron and AD, I think your best player is Rajon Rondo. And I know we, we've had history of, you know, 
liking Rondo and saying he's a Hall of Famer, but he's definitely past his prime. And I'm not a Kuzma guy. I'm not a Tavius Caldwell Pope guy. Danny Green's been terrible in the bubble. I just, if you had to tell me the keys for the Heat to win this series, what would it be? Well, I feel like out of all the teams that are going to face LeBron, they have the guy to contain LeBron, as you said. And so, you know, if they can contain him and minimize Anthony Davis, I mean, you know this better than me. Is Bam, does Bam really have a chance guarding AD, or is that just is that going to be a nightmare for him? I wouldn't say it's a nightmare, but I definitely obviously think the Lakers have the advantage in that sense. But, I mean, Bam's playing very well. Anthony Davis is playing incredibly well. They both, they're both they both very mobile bigs, so I don't think either one's going to be outmatched like Tice was. Um, but, yeah, I just think the reason why I'm going with the Heat is just depth and defense, and they've been the best team in the playoffs, honestly. And, I mean, the Lakers have been great as well. They're probably right there with them. Uh, what would you say the, the keys to the Lakers winning on? I mean, just don't have those those bad games where you know you're losing by a lot and you you come back. Just keep it, you know, have have solid games and you'll be fine. Give the ball, LeBron, AD, do your thing. They just need that third guy. Who's going to be the third guy that's going to just help them out? And honestly, I'm going to go against the grain with who it's going to be. I'm going to say it's Kyle Kuzma, and I just think that he's going to, if it's from three or if he just starts, you know just starts, you know, driving to the hole and just starts getting aggressive or something. I, I don't know. I just have a feeling Kyle Kuzma is going to do something as the th- to be that three guy, the third guy for the, the Lakers to, you know, pretty much march on and win the finals. I, I hope – like, here's the thing. I am definitely going to pick the Heat. However, the Lakers have so much riding behind them with Kobe Bryant. And mm-hmm. I, I would – I'd rather them win. And I, I think it would be a great story – LeBron and Kobe, obviously, great friends, great relationship. And he said he's doing this for Kobe. All the Lakers are. And I just think that's going to – like, if they have that riding behind them, which they do, I think it's going to be very hard for the Heat. Another thing I want to mention to get the topic up a little bit, I kind of hate that I brought up Kobe because that made me sad, but Dwight Howard, he has the chance to get his long-awaited ring and – Pat, I, I honestly think Dwight Howard's – I think his career is so underrated. I mean, you don't want to mess with that magic Dwight Howard. I mean, he brought that team to the finals. He beat LeBron in the playoff series, lost to Kobe. But I, 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 Dwight Howard's a no-doubt Hall of Famer for me, and I think he's actually an X-factor in the series because he's, his speed has gotten a lot better, and I think he's going to be able to slow down Bam a little in that matchup. And they, they moved him to the starting lineup. And I think he's a top center of all time. Like, I, I'm very high on Dwight Howard. I think we could do a dissection at some point on another podcast. But, yeah, I think Dwight Howard's going to be an X factor here for sure. So, if you had to make a prediction, Pat, i say Heat in six. Really ballsy. But what would you go? Yeah, I'm going to go Lakers in seven. I was debating Lakers in six, Lakers in seven. I'm going to go seven. And it's just for the reason of, you know, you brought up the Kobe stuff. Yeah, that's definitely – they got that riding behind them. But I just – LeBron's destined to win this. And I hate – I'm not a big LeBron fan, as you know. I hate to say it, but I just think he's going to find a way to win this. And I, I have a feeling it's going to be in dramatic fashion. Something big is going to happen in this series. Like, there are so many storylines and there, just things that, things that are going in this series. There will be a play that LeBron makes that resembles a play Kobe made in the finals, which will be posted as like a side-to-side clip, and I think that will happen in the game seven like Kobe did against the Celtics in, I think, 2010, something like that. But um, really quick, uh, finals that just ended, like Stanley Cup. We can talk about that. Uh, the Lightning won, what, 2 nothing tonight? Yep, 2 nothing. 2 nothing against the Dallas Stars, and they finished them off in six. What I mean, what does this mean for Steven Stamkos, Pat? Yeah, so funny that you say that. Steven Stamkos, obviously, he only played in one game, and he played three minutes, and he scored a goal. Yeah. So, you know, people are, like, wondering, because when I was watching, he was out on the ice, didn't play after the game, out on the ice, fully dressed in uniform, skates on and everything. You know, you figure maybe he'd go out there in a suit and tie. No. With, ever. with everything on, and he's – got the Stanley Cup, and you know what? Good for him. He scored a goal in three minutes in the entire series. He's obviously an elite player that, you know, I just feel bad for that couldn't be there with his team to win to win this cup. But, I mean, this Lightning team was stacked. They were destined to win this cup. You just got that feeling. 
after after they won that five overtime game against Columbus in the first round, I'm not saying we all said Tampa Bay is winning the Stanley Cup, but you kind of just got the feeling that they were there and they were there to win it. And Victor Hedman winning the Conn Smythe Trophy, a lot of people had Braden Point, and I get it. I 100% get it, but a defenseman having 10 goals in a, in a play, in the playoffs is just wild. And granted, it was an extra series, but Victor Hedman deserved that. He's a top three defenseman in hockey. And the Lightning are – they have a solid group. Braden Point is a stud. Uh, they have three-headed monster point, Stamkos and Kucherov up front with Hedman in the back, and they're going to be good for many years to come. I don't know. Anything you take away from the Stanley Cup playoffs? I, I thought they did great. Did the bubble and stuff, if you want to look at that. Anything yeah. about the series? The bubble is a huge success. Very safe. No COVID cases at all. Um, I did think, you know, how the, the way the draft lottery shaped out, obviously being a Rangers fan, great for me, but a little shady. That a in playoff a week? Season. Draft in a week? Yeah. Um, Lafreniere to the Rangers. But um, obviously as a Rangers fan, one thing I want to mention about the Lightning, I'm happy that Ryan McDonough, Gets his cup, sort of Shattenkirk, but I, I mean, he's not, he's not as, as true of a Ranger as Ryan McDonough was, longtime Ranger. And, you know, the Lightning stopped him from getting to the cup again, and I'm really happy for him. So, what, what do you want to say, Pat? Yeah, just as a Devil fan, give my shout out. Blake Coleman scored a goal, made it 2 nothing. Nice goal, one timer. And just wanted to give him a shout out because, you know, Rangers, Rangers made it, the playoffs, Devils didn't. So, we were, I was rooting for anything the Devils offered in the playoff, and Blake Coleman. Yeah, and you know more than me. I feel like the Lightning have been a team that have been here forever and just couldn't get over the hump. Do you think they could now maybe start a dynasty out of this? Yes, I definitely do. But with the way the money situation is going to work this offseason with the cap because of COVID, it's going to be di- difficult. And the Lightning are going to have quite, they're going to have signs signings that they're going to have to make. I don't know exactly who they are, but I was reading something that in the next coming days before the draft, a lot of players are going to get traded in the NHL and the lightning are a team to watch out for, especially since they just won. I feel like they're using that as, you know, okay, we just won with this group. Let's move on. They have their core Kucherov, Stamkos point. Those they're all locked up and Hedman as well. So they have those guys and then they're going to have to figure it out from there. I saw today a different hockey report. The Rangers called the Sabres concerning Jack Eichel and his availability. Sabres said they're really not shopping him, but I think that's kind of BS. I think they're saying that so they can get some better offers. If my Rangers get Jack Eichel, I mean, are we just – do they just hand us the cup or – yeah, if you guys get Eichel, as a Devil fan, I might just have to stop, turn the TV off, and let, this, let the NHL season play out. I mean, obviously you're young, so you know it's going to be maybe growing pains here and there, but getting Jack Eichel, I mean, I was thinking of a package. Let me, let, let me ask you, what do you think of this? Eichel for Mika Zibanejad, no. Lafonniere, La and a first-round pick. No, that's a lot. Cause, and the reason why I'm saying this is because I was reading something about packages and it's just tremendous what the Sabres are going to ask for. And I get it. I mean, yeah. Jack Eichel, is, he's top five, top ten player in the NHL, and you're just getting him. So I de- Lafreniere or Zabinijad is going to have to be in the deal. It's one or the other. And then, and then you go from there, I feel like. Is Jack Eichel really worth the number one pick, a top player in the NHL, and another first-rounder? The only reason why I'm going to say yes is because he's got the contract. He, he got signed long-term. Yeah, and he's 23 years old. So Yes, that's the, that's the only – and I get why you say it's too much, but I feel that if the Rangers want to do it, they're going to have to decide between maybe not Lafreniere and Zibanejad in the same deal, but one or the other. Yeah, and who's, who's the Sabres goalie? Um, uh, what's his name? Is anyone uh, notable? No, they, they, they have this tricky situation at goalie this year. We don't. Do you think they would take one of the top prospects like Gorgiev? Yeah, I definitely, definitely think so. Uh, so maybe add him in the deal and see. I, I, I don't – obviously, I don't follow. Shesterkin? Do you, do you, <laughs> you oh, can't I like, do Shesterkin. No, Shesterkin's my guy. But um, obviously, I don't know much about NHL draft prospects, but I, having the number one pick – I've heard all about Lafreniere. How good can this guy be? I mean, he's going to be 
very good, above average. I hate comparing, you know, as we've seen in the past NHL drafts, you compare players. I hate comparing players to what he is, but I, you know, I've heard some pretty crazy, well, not crazy, but, you know, player comps that are just like, oh, shit, he's pretty good. And the one was Patrick Kane. And Jack Hughes was the same for Patrick Kane, but Alex Lafreniere, he's, he's a solid forward that just is, he goes into the corners. He's, you know, he plays tough. Rangers need that. And, you know, you know that firsthand. The Rangers need a player yeah. that's going to go in the corners and to play tough. And, know, to add him, and to add him next to, like, a Panarin, it's scary to think. But they – if, if you're the Rangers, would you rather have Lafreniere and keep Zibanejad and probably keep another first-round pick, maybe keep a goalie, or give all that away and get Jack Eichel? Yeah. In hindsight, looking at it, I – go option number one that you just said. But honestly, and somebody brought up this point, I saw it. The Rangers have a lot of young guys on entry-level contracts, like rookie deals. They're going to have to get signed. And are they going to have enough money to do that? I don't know. So maybe you throw your chips all in the bag for the next couple of years while the cap is low because you're going to have to deal with it soon. But I don't know. It's a good question to ask. And honestly, it's a good position to be in probably. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited for the Rangers' future. Blue shirts, baby. Like, I – I don't want to say I'm a fake fan, but, you know, I don't follow as much as a hockey as I'd like. And playoff hockey, the only problem I have with the bubble was playoff hockey is the best playoff sport, I believe, at least mm-hmm. professional. And, you know, you didn't have that type of intensity that you usually get, which yeah. is a big bummer. But I do think the bubble is a huge success. Um, so now let's move into the MLB playoffs, Pat. They start tomorrow, or I guess when you guys – are listening to this they are underway uh we want to fill out our brackets for you so we'll start in the al side of the bracket three game series for the first round we'll start with the one versus eight al east matchup Tampa Bay rays toronto blue jays who do you got i got the rays and i don't see it being particularly close you know uh rays are going to go with snell game one and then they'll go glass now game two and i just feel like the rays beat up on the Blue Jays. And that's not to take away the Blue Jays. Young team, you know, obviously they took advantage of uh, how many teams that were allowed with eight in each division allowed. But good for the Blue Jays to get in. Don't think they fare well with the Rays. Yeah, I just don't think they have enough pitching. After Ryu, big drop-off. And Snell Glass now is a great one, too. And, you know, the Rays really impressed me. I hate to say it as a Yankee fan. With that payroll that they give out, Kevin Cash has done a great job with this team. They don't have a lot of big names. They just get the job done. They get on base. And, you know, one seed in the AL is a great accomplishment. And I think, what are they, the second-best team in the MLB this year? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's great. It's good for them. But let's move into the 4-5. The winner of this will play the Tebe Rays, in our opinion. The Indians and my Yankees. I I got the Yanks. I mean, this is not a surprise to anybody that I'm picking the Yankees. But I... This was the least favorable matchup for them. They get to play. They have to play Cleveland, and it's their fault. No, no one's fault but their own. Terrible down the stretch. Very streaky team all year. They had that five and fifteen run after starting, I think, like sixteen and five. Then you win ten straight, and then you falter at the end, losing to the Marlins and the Blue Jays a bunch. So they've known to blame with themselves for this unfavorable matchup. You're gonna have Shane Bieber, Carrasco, and Plesac. Game one, two, and three. I mean, that's three top pitchers in the MLB. And I, I hate to say it, but I think game one might be a must win with Cole on the mound. What do you yeah, think? I definitely, I definitely agree with you. And obviously it's tough to say because he's going against Shane Bieber. And as you said, that pitch staff is just incredible. Their lineup, Indians, I'm talking about the Indians lineup is not very good. But that's not to say they don't have good players. They do. I mean, Jose Ramirez is an MVP candidate. Francisco Lindor and Carlos Santana have not had good years. Uh, and I, I'm picking the Indians to beat the Yankees in three solely because of pitching. And I think the key to the Yankees is uh, Judge and Stanton. If, if Judge and Stanton get hot and they can just, you know, just, you know, get those pitch counts up against the Indians and make them go to the bullpen, that's not very good. Indians, uh, the Yankees have a very good shot. And, you know, that's why they're, the Yankees are favored. As a five seed, they're favored. And I 100% get that. Uh, but I'm going to take the Indians in three, uh, and it's, as I said, solely because of pitching. And but I could see it going either way. That's I think this game, this series is definitely the best in the MLB without a doubt. 
Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the better series. We'll get into yours in a bit. Um, we'll stay in the NL, however. We'll stay with the Twins playing the Houston Astros. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to get the Twins in two, not because I hate the Astros and everybody besides people from Houston hate the Astros. I think the Twins are actually very good. And I, I love their bats. I love Nelson Cruz. He was your MVP. And, yeah, I'm going I'm to take the Twins in two with Maeda. Uh, and I think Barrios game two, I think they'll both get the win. Uh, what do you got here? Yeah, I agree with you. Astros were all over the place this season. Um, just so streaky. 29 and 31, under 500. I, I'm not a fan of them. Twins, they, they hit the crap out of the ball. As you said, Maeda's, like, not resurrected his career, but he's like an ace this year. Berrios is solid. So, you know, and Michael Pineda and Rich Hill, two old guys that they have as their three and four. Like, what? I mean, I don't know. Twins, and t- I take the Twins in two as well. Yeah, so the final first-round matchup, um, we got the Oakland A's and the Chicago White Sox, young team. I, I actually like the White Sox here. I, I think the, the absence of Matt Chapman is going to hurt the A's a lot. So I'm going to go with the White Sox. They're a fun team to watch. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Luca Giolito, I think, is going to give them game one, which I think will win them the series. And, yeah, so I got, I got this White Sox. I, I'll, I'll say the A's will get a game, so I'll say White Sox in three. Yeah, and, you know, it's a good point about, you know, winning game one. Like, you win game one, and you're like, oh, we can win the series in game two. Like, you know, winning game one, you might as well throw all your eggs in the basket. And I don't know. I don't understand. The A's are starting uh, Jesus Lizardo, that rookie, against Lucas Giolito, an ace, like a true ace. Uh, they, I'm not saying they're losing. They're trying to lose game one, but they have it. There's obviously a reason behind that. And I don't know. Uh, the White Sox have an awesome lineup, a very fun lineup. Luis Robert is, a, you know, he's – you you have him to win your uh, rookie of the year, right? He's he's very good, and he honestly he could maybe he could be a difference maker in the playoffs. And the White Sox, you know, they're an interesting team, and they I feel like they you know they have the one two in Giolito and Keuchel, and you know they could easily win the series in two, honestly. But I'll, I'll take I'll take the White Sox in three. So we're in agreement there. We can now move into the NL, the Dodgers' best team in the MLB. Will place will face maybe the worst team in the playoffs in the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I got the Dodgers in two. I just don't think it's going to be a close series, and I think this is just a cakewalk for the Dodgers. And I, I think you'd probably feel the same way. Yeah. So you know, I was looking at like who the Dodgers were going to start, and honestly, I thought I was going to see see them announce like there are four and five starters pitch games one and two, and see if they could just get away with not pitching Bueller or Kershaw and or saving them for game three if it ended up going there. Because I mean the Brewers are just not a good team, and their their best player Christian Yelich had an awful season, like really bad, and they they don't stand. I mean their one is going to be Brandon Woodruff, who I, I like. I don't believe he's a one. Corbin Burns, who is going to be probably their one Cy Young candidate in the NL, out. Uh, I don't think they stand a chance. I mean they're going to need to get the ball to Hater in the seventh inning and hope he has like a rubber arm and just goes, just keeps going. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I don't think this is going to be close, like you just said. So uh, we're going to go Dodgers here. Next series, exciting one, Padres, Cardinals. Cardinals just seem to be a team that always just get in. And yep. nothing really that exciting about them. They're just there. And, they just go about the business. Yeah, and I, I got the Padres here. I love the Padres. Tatis is my MVP. Kernan is my rookie of the year. I love this Padres team. I got them advancing to face the Dodgers. What do you have here? Yeah, so I'm going to pick the Cardinals. And this matchup kind of reminds me a little bit of Cardinals-Braves last year. And I said, I've said i said this before. It's just a young Padres team that, you know, they're starting to feel the, you know, they're starting to feel their footing on the playoffs and understanding what it's all about. And I have a feeling it's going to kind of shock them, like the intensity, every pitch, you know. It's just everybody's into it. The Cardinals have that. And it starts with game one. Who's pitching and who's catching? Adam Wainwright. Yadi or Molina, every season they're in the playoffs and they're doing it again. And I think it's going to be a very close series, but I think the Cardinals in three. Very good series, though. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely not a bad pick in any, in any facet. Um, the next series we'll get into is the Cubs play the Marlins. We talked about this earlier. The Cubs really haven't gotten any talk. And I, I think it's a little undeserved. I think they should be getting talked about more. They have a great team and they're going to be playing the Marlins team, which, you know, great story. I'm happy they got in. Happy for Derek Peter. Happy for Don Mattingly, who was our 
manager of the year in the NL, but I think the Cubs are going to take some too. I don't think the Marlins stand a chance. I don't think they have enough. Um, great story, like I said, but they just don't have it. Yeah, I agree 100%. I'm going to take the Cubs in two. However, like, I kind of hope the Marlins keep it close just for people to watch and be like, oh, you know, the Marlins were a good team this year because they really were. They dealt with that COVID at the beginning of the year that we all said just like they might as well quit the season. No, they didn't. And they fought and fought and they made the Phillies look like an embarrassment. I'm going to say it right now. We don't have to talk about the Phillies because they are, they are what they are, but they beat the Phillies when they had to. And they, you know, they deserve the right to be the succeed in the NL. Yeah. So last series, I'll let you take this one. Braves Reds. Yeah. Last series. I mean, we've talked about this before. As you as a Yankee fan playing with the Indians, me as a Brave fan with the Reds, probably two very tough draws. Uh, Braves face a three-headed monster in uh, Bauer. Bauer, yep. Bauer, Castillo, and Gray. It's just, I I mean, it's incredible that we have to face them with a, a rotation that we're dealing with, which seems to get injured every other day in Max Fried. Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright. And that's not to take away from Freed. He's very good, Scion candidate, but he's going to have a tough matchup. But I'm a homer. I'm going to go with the Braves. I'm going to I'm going to go with their lineup. I mean, they have a top three lineup in baseball. They're going to have to hit. But in the postseason, you need pitching. And that's not to say the Braves get by the Reds. They're going to have a tough time either way, whoever they face. But I'll take the Braves in three games. And I think the difference is Kyle Wright in game three goes seven strong, Gets it to that bullpen, and we win. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I got the Braves in three. I think I actually think Freed's going to take game one against Bauer. And then I think they'll lose game two, obviously. And I think Sonny Gray is going to crack under pressure, like he always did in the Bronx. Not a Sonny Gray guy. I, you know, actually, I can't say that. I like him as a person, but not great for the Yankees. And I think they'll choke in game three, crack under the pressure. So, yeah, I got the Braves as well. So, I think we – for first round, we pretty much have the same predictions for the most part. You can – we went into more depth about this on the Bleacher Boys podcast, which I think comes out tomorrow. I'm not sure what time. But, yeah, a couple of our buddies have a Yankees podcast. We went in depth about the whole playoffs. Definitely a good listen. Go check that out. Um, so, that's it for topics for today. A couple other things we can mention. Doc Rivers was – he has left the Clippers. Mutual decision between him and Steve Ballmer. I think it's a little weird, Pat. I, I think there's something behind it. You know, there's history with Paul George. Um, to get the story right. Uh, Rivers, Rivers' daughter dated Paul George. And Paul George cheated on her with a stripper and had a kid with that stripper, which is a wild story. And I, I'm not saying that's the reason he's gone because, you know, he played with him all year. But I definitely think something sketchy's up because – why would he want to leave this team? Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Something is definitely going on there. And I have a feeling in the coming days, like when we do our uh, episode for Thursday, things things are going to come out. More is going to come out because, as we heard, teams are already contacting Doc Rivers. And I have a feeling something happened between maybe ownership or a player. And like you said, that Paul George story is interesting. But, see, yeah, something's going on there with Doc Rivers. And I have a feeling a lot of teams that hired coaches early on, which I get, are thinking like, oh, crap. Like, Doc Rivers, he's there now. We could have used him. And obviously, two teams, Pelicans, 76ers, they've called him. If they get him, I mean, that's kind of scary. Would you – so the two big-name coaches on the market right now, Doc Rivers, Mike D'Antoni, who would you rather have if you're, if you're either team? Yeah, so I guess Doc Rivers, uh, I mean, I'm not really good at – debating NBA coaches that well because I just don't know how to really grade them. Obviously, championships, wins, whatever. But I'll, I'll go Doc Rivers just because Mike D'Antoni, he's disappointed me Everything, pretty much everything he's done. So I'll go Doc Rivers. Yeah, I think it's, it's tough because D'Antoni, obviously, he has like record-breaking offenses every year, teams that love to shoot threes, and the Sixers just aren't that. And I think, you know, if he goes back to the Pelicans, you'll have J.J. Redick, who he's coached before. So – Oh, no, that's Death Rivers. Sorry, that's my fault. But anyway, I, I don't think D'Antoni really fits anywhere. Like, there's that rocket system is perfect for him. He has a, he has a good way of pulling out the best on those players. He made Ben McLemore, who's a career bum and bust, look actually pretty good. So it's definitely weird. I agree. I think there will be some stuff coming out in the coming days for the Thursday podcast. Um, 
that's pretty much it. Is there anything else you want to mention, Pat, for this weekend? No, nothing, nothing particular. Just, you know, I mean, you know, Tuesday night, right after our podcast release, actually during our podcast, MLB playoffs will be starting. So we're going to have a great night with that. Wednesday, a 12 slate of uh, MLB games and the M- game one of the NBA finals. So we all have something to watch and there'll be a lot to talk about on Thursday, right? Yeah, I mean, you think about it. I mean, the Stanley Cup just ended, but you had Stanley Cup, NBA Finals, Week 3, MLB Playoffs, all in the same week. As bad as this year looks for sports, I mean, this is a great end of the year. It's as best you could ask for. Yeah, definitely. Let's just hope everybody, you know, stays safe with COVID. We don't have to deal with any of, like, the positives that keep teams away, and we just keep going with this because, you know, honestly, I'll deal with fans not being in the stands if that's the worst thing, right? Yeah, as long I just want sports. As long as you're on the field, on the court on the ice just keep playing um so yeah that's like i said that's pretty much it uh you could listen to the bleacher boys podcast tomorrow um go follow them on instagram uh, i think let me just pull up their social really quick Before, when i'm finding that you can follow us at after the whistle.pod tanner gazillo and patrick punzel for our personals um you can find them bleacher boys podcast on instagram um so yeah that's it Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I'm Tanner. And I'm Patrick. See you later, guys.